Coming up this week on Espedorec, S4C, got plenty of sport. We've got Moya Scorio coming Wednesday evenings, 6.30. Football show, studio-based, usually. Dylan Ebenezer presenting with various guests, myself included. This week's special comes not from the studio, but from the Liberty Stadium in Swansea. So tune in, football chat, football insight. Speaking to different people from within the industry. Also, there's a little Facebook Live game coming up for Scoria this Thursday night. We got Balatown playing Kevin Druid, so a top six battle. Hugh Griffiths' men face off against Colin Caton's boys. So that's 7.45, Scoria's Facebook Live. Thursday night and don't forget about kick kick Fridays 5 past 5 in the afternoon another football show on the channel plenty going on that one's uh, got myself and Helena presenting so a little bit more child friendly once again chatting with different people chatting with coaches chatting with players learning new tricks and skills Tune in, kick five past five on Fridays, repeated on Saturday mornings. There's no live football on this weekend, so tune into the rugby. Rugby's always on. Enjoy. Espadarek, football, Muyo Scorio, Facebook Live, kick. Enjoy. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Longman's Football World. Today's guest is Mr. Kevin Ratcliffe, a man I've got to know quite well over the last three or so years since branching out into this, into the media side of things. Um, I've effectively just been his taxi driver for the last three years, actually. He's, uh, he's like the Queen. And doesn't do any driving himself just sits in the back and complains but uh, he, he actually is like royalty in this part of the world northeast wales he's he's moved from his his mansion and just going down his little driveway here it could well be that he's he's upgraded upgraded to a castle maybe i don't know it looks fancy it looks nice see how that goes kev is a guy who he was a little bit before my time being just the young chap that I am uh, but was the Everton captain during the 80s their successful season title winning side FA Cup winners uh, Cup winners Cup winners as well Wales captain for many years played with some outstanding players um, and he's the type of guy maybe who doesn't quite get the respect that he deserves for, for the type of player he is or he was um, Anybody who I speak to who, who were fans of that era or even guys who would have played against him say that he was brilliant, one of the very best, quick as anything. Um, having played beach football with him, what, a couple of years ago during the Euros, I can't confirm that that pace has gone. You know, the way that I skipped around him on that beach makes me wonder, was, it, was he ever that good? You know, was football ever that good in that era? Because 
I tell you, I skinned him. And I... I must be one of the slowest players that has played the game in modern times. But really looking forward to um, sitting down with, with Kev, having a chat in his new place. He's promised a little coffee, maybe a little breakfast as well. So it should be a good one. Hopefully you guys enjoy. This is Kevin Ratcliffe. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen his seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot, but in the long run, your blues will be long gone with the long man and the long Kevin Ratcliffe, you've waited a long time to get on this podcast, haven't you? Oh, hey. You've you, you pestered you, me. You did tell me I was going to be first. <laughs> you've pestered me for a long time, mate. But here it is, the opportunity's there. Yeah, and you, you've saved yourself a meal as well, haven't you? Going for breakfast. Um, I did offer you, I did offer to buy you breakfast, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, you haven't had the bill yet. Where are we? <laughs> We've turned up at the new gaff. You know, you've left, you've left that mansion of yours. Ah. How long are you living there for? 32 years, yeah. 32 years? Yeah. I and, didn't, and now not. we're at what? What would you call this? A country manor? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good pension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, uh, don't get people thinking the wrong idea of me. No, it's a, it's a little barn conversion, which is, I think, what we've always wanted for maybe about the last 10 years. Yeah, little, little downsize maybe. Yeah, well, yeah, in one way, it's a downsize. Um, Kids have all moved out. All moved out, and we're just, uh, you know, with, with me still working and going out and being away a lot, then it's always nice that you've got people around you. Yeah. And especially for the wife, anyway. So she's got people around her here. She feels safe. It's no good going somewhere when you don't feel safe. I didn't want to get a place where you're isolated. Um, well, then again, you know, you look around you, and we've just got fields. So well, people say, well, why have you come here? But you've got people around you. You know, it's, we're on a, like a little urbanization with people. We've got barn conversion, so it's it's nice. It's nice. Nice yeah, set, yeah. mate. Nice countryside. Nice well, bacon roll. Yeah, yeah. When you got kids, you need space, and you got to hide from them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've downsized uh, mainly so that uh, you know, they don't come back now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're always nice. It's always nice to have them here. They they love it as well. You know, that was part of it. If you know, it's no good just. Me and the wife liking it, me and Sharon, and then the kids don't like it. The kids have all give the thumbs up and love it, and they're all local. So, thirty plus years at the at the old place. That's that's quite um, 
it's not new. It must be quite nice that you haven't had to move. You know, you're talking about being at Everton for a long time now. What did you do when you when you moved on from Everton? Did you just Travel. go or did Sharon come No, no, I travelled. Um, kids were in school. They were in a good school. So the idea was, even though it wasn't private, that they were in a good school. Yeah. Um, and do you get that when you move on? And when you move on, how long are you going to be? There was always short contracts that I was getting. Um, I went up to Dundee. Uh, come back from Dundee to Derby, um, well, so Notts Forest, so Nottingham. And that was the days before the A50, yeah. so that was a, a, a bit of a trek. Um, so I stayed there maybe three or four nights of the week, uh, and then I went to Derby, did exactly the same there, and then I signed for Cardiff. Um, I was there for eight months, had a flat with one of the players, and I was sort of renting a, a room off him, really, in the in the flat and then he got released my mates bought the flat uh, or rented the flat and I stayed with him and if Sharon wanted to come down on the school holidays he used to move out yeah. or we used to get a caravan yeah yeah we had a caravan for a couple of a couple of weeks or whatever in the school holidays um, you know if, if it was like half term or whatever um, that's when the caravan parks were open yeah because um, one of the players come in one day and I called Phil Stancy, played up front and Stancy was a character in himself and he, he lived up in Nottingham but he come down and he come in one day and we're just sitting there and he, he turned around and said I've bought a caravan so that's a you know so ribbing him for that aren't they about buying a caravan and I just turned around and said oh that's nice Nanny where you bought that then he said oh, I was on a caravan park in Penarth I went alright I said uh, so what are you going to do for all the time when it's you can't get on what do you mean? I said, well, you can only go on a caravan park for so many months of the year. The rest of the year, it's shut. So he bought it to live in it. <laughs> Straight on the phone to the owner yeah. uh, to see if he could get out of the deal. But he, he got it. I think he got some sort of deal that he could actually stay on the caravan park, which he wasn't supposed to. And I think you can only stay on for something like, is it nine months of I the year? So, October, yeah. Something like up till October and then back in March or something. But yeah. I was... Hilarious. You're talking, your travels there, Dundee, Cardiff, Nottingham, Derby. How old are you when you when you started doing that that part of your life? When did you leave Everton? Um, 32, something like that, yeah. I've been there since I was 16, 15 as a kid, and then 16 as an apprentice. So, somebody said to me years before that, you know, the one thing you'll miss is about Everton would be the, the training facilities and yeah. you know going in every day and, and not just the lads but you know when you're there for 16 years you know you you, you have friends like the janitor we come, become very good friends like called Dave Ash um, and then you know, the dinner ladies almost more than some players because some players might only last yeah. a year or two yeah they were there as long as me the janitor was there he come the year after I arrived at, uh, at Everton and he was a janitor and cleaner and everybody was scared stiff of him right you know you'd never you'd damn wear your boots inside the, the building um, didn't help he was a black belt in Kung Fu was he he was yeah so he was our minder when we used to go away on trips at the end of the year yeah um, he used to come with us and uh, it was nice that I got a phone call off him about a year or two so we've, we've got back in contact with each other which is really nice you know so you you know this is what people don't realize that you're actually friends with like the groundsman you know he's still he's still alive and 
he's not working at Everton anymore but I see him now and again and obviously he's, he's a lot older um, but some of the young sort of groundsmen are, are still there so really yeah it's it's something that you know you, you go in in the morning you know I was always in drop the kids off at school I always be in for half past nine training at half ten um, so you'd have a cup of tea with them you know and get to see what they've been up to and that it's good well talk, talking about it then um when you've been at a club for that length of time, Leon Britton is a good example at Swansea now, mm. where obviously to start with, your mates are your teammates. Yeah. But when you're at a place for that long mm. and you're used to seeing such a turnover of players, yeah. I don't know if, if, if it was as much back back when you played. You have to remind me. What was it, yeah. the 60s? <laughs> uh, you're not talking to your dad now. <laughs> um, did, you, did you think that you were going to stay at Everton for the... For your whole career or did you always have one eye one I'd quite like to travel sample different different things I wish I had done now earlier yeah I wish I would have left earlier yeah. there's no doubt about it when I look back and my advice would to be to anybody um, is to, to do it to you know experience that um, I had an opportunity in, to go to France but you know Back in my mind was the wife, the kids. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd been too comfortable, really, playing for the team that I'd supported as a kid and, you know, playing for them, captaining them and everything. I'd become a little bit too comfortable. I didn't want to go. I, I, I wanted a fight for my place. I, I was an Evertonian. I always will be. And I wanted a fight for my place. Um, but really, I should have gone. And at the time, you, you, there's no real reason to, is there? It, it is like a comfort zone. It's that little bubble yeah, that you yeah. When you look in. back, it is it is a comfort zone that yeah. you're in, and really, you know, just, I maybe would have gotten maybe another couple of years out of me if I'd left. You know that hunger. Yeah. I think that hunger was starting to go a little bit, um, and you know when you've been at somewhere like Everton, it's hard. It, you know, I went to other clubs and it, it wasn't the same. Yeah. What, losing wasn't the same. Didn't hurt as much. Okay. So, so not just the facilities, it was like I, I, mentality. Well, you know, I'm, I'm Everton through and through. And to do what I've done is like a dream. But I would, you know, it's, it hurt when you, when you lose, it hurts. It's part of you. Yeah. You know, but when I was, the only place that it, it started hurting a little bit was at Cardiff, okay. believe it or not. Um, I think that's mainly because I could see good things, good players. You're back with good players and, you know, you've got an opportunity um, and you know what the fan base as well the fan base was really similar to what Everton fans are like you know the following and everything but in smaller numbers yeah um, but yeah it's, it, it was that hurt that hurt wasn't there as much the one thing and you, you know when you come into the end I mean to your career you can actually feel it that it's coming and you're thinking I can't do two games a week yeah hopefully there's not three I can do one. <laughs> well, it's, it's some, some it's people argue with that as well. But it, it's, yeah, you know, it's it's difficult to do them games. What you're used to and your body was used to, you, all of a sudden you can see it not happening. Um, and mine was a simple hernia yeah. that hampered my career, that stopped me just like that. And I was 28. And if you have a look at my career, my get, most of my games... Played 492 games for Everton, and most of them were before the age of 28. I yeah. would say three quarters of them were before the age of 28. 
um, and then I picked up a hernia injury which they couldn't detect um, at Sheffield Wednesday and it, I'd say I was 10 months out of the game well that, that, within that 10 months you don't do a pre-season yeah. the back pass rules changed so you can't pass it back to Big Nev uh-huh. um, and with that straight away the fitness has changed believe it or not so your fitness is changed all because of the pack pass. And you, you, you were reliant on pace. Not Well, my pace has gone as well. Yeah. All of a sudden, I've come back from injury and I'm thinking, I've got, where's that gear gone? Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, you, hold on, I've failed an MOT here. I can't find that next gear because, you know, that was a big part of my game. So you then have to start maybe adjusting your game a little bit. Um, and like I said, I couldn't do three games a week. I couldn't do two sometimes. Um, and my performance was were, were well under what you know what, I'm, what I was used to. Um, but the one thing I could always rely on was that if you asked me to play one game and give me enough time to prepare, mm. that I would play that game and I would be at my max. Yeah. You know, I'd be. Um, and then when I was at Cardiff, I got selected to play for Wales again after about a year to being out um, and that was my last game for Wales but I'd been called into the squad from a second division club yeah. and people were asking the reason why but I, I knew that I'd be okay I, I knew I'd be okay and I was fine and it was Giggsy's first game okay. against Belgium um, we battered them we had a right sort of battle against them I think I played against their manager up front who was the manager in the Euros yeah Vilmots is Vilmots, it Vilmots yeah Mark Vilmots played yeah. up front he did so you know I always knew I could do one game but it was what it was going to be like afterwards obviously it's physical but it's also mental isn't it because you go into that first oh, game yeah. thinking yeah, oh shit tired. I've got Tuesday night coming as well yeah do I need um, a little bit it's a bit like what's happened with Seamus Coleman yeah you know I've, I've spoken about it that you know he's going to wake up in three weeks time not one in a train because you go up on a high, you know, you're on so, such a high. First couple of games, isn't it? It's, it's unbelievable how high, it's like a drug, I suppose. Um, but with football, there's highs and there's lows, there's nothing in between. Um, and I don't know if, how you found it adjusting, because all of a sudden there's that in-between guy. Yeah. Um, but not just you, your family. You know, your family's all of a sudden seeing this other guy walking through the door and... Well, it's a bit different, you know. What's what's different, you know? What's what's changed? Well, the change is that you haven't got your high. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're finding just a me. You know. And, and football's a weird one. I, I don't know if you would have been the same. It became for me because of injuries and stuff like that. Mm. But it became work. That enjoyment wasn't there. Well, you're going in to rehabilitate rather than play. And then even. Even when I was back training and stuff, I knew I still wasn't right. So I was carrying this knee for nine yeah. years or so. So even yeah. when you're training, you're still thinking, this is not like I used to be able to run. You're just getting run. through it then, aren't you? So then... You're getting through work. Yeah. So not that, like a guy being on the lash all that, night and coming in the next day. just That's what to, it was. Yeah. And then going into games, I, I got out, out of it briefly. Going into games, it wasn't that I was looking forward to games. It was... I was looking forward to, if it was a three o'clock kickoff, looking forward to five o'clock. Mm. One, to know I've got through a game and I'm still, I'm not injured. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then people want to talk to you about football mm. because it's, 
it's a huge part of a lot of people's yeah. lives and the interest for you being a professional footballer, they want to chat. Yeah. I'd just be short. You know, you asked my mum and dad when they used to phone me up. I don't know, that, that's no, no different, I don't think, with yeah. me. What did, you say, what did you do today? You know, a genuine interest in your training. Well, I trained. Well, yeah. That was the answer. Yeah, yes or no. Yeah. I'm still like that with my dad now. Really? Yeah, I'm still like that. You know, if he's watched Everton at the weekend and he's, he'd either come on the phone or I'll go over and the next minute he's, he's just ranting and raving how poor it is, you know, but you try and be philosophical with them and oh, I don't know it just doesn't work with my dad he just sees bad things yeah. <laughs> it's like oh god dad switch off can you can you switch off because you've been in the dressing room as a player yeah and you can't get into that fan mentality if you like of judging he, everyone and he, well, you, the one I think the one thing you don't like you don't mind people in the game or that have been in the game actually criticising the people that haven't been in the game criticising mm. um, and sometimes just criticising for criticising sake yeah um, because it's been a bad game um, and they just see it as a whole and they've all played badly rather than picking the good things out um, and I, I find that frustrating sometimes yeah. when you're with people and they start I, I just I've got a couple of mates that are not interested in football and it's great when you're out of them when they they just talk about everything but nothing and nothing to do with football mm. which is it was great you know I mean you get the odd you know how things go but they, they don't want to know don't want to know which is nice yeah you're talking um, you know the fact if you could go back in time maybe you would have moved away earlier mm. probably in hindsight again if you would have if you would have left Everton four, five, six years earlier mm. you would have been joining a better club with people with that winning mentality anyway wouldn't you um, well funny enough the only time I would have left Everton you don't leave don't leave well, I, I don't see leaving Everton um, in my prime Hmm. I think it was after my injury and coming back from my injury when things weren't going maybe then that's when I should have moved yeah. I think Can come in for us um, I sort of looked at it, was it, was it there's two Cans <laughs> and I don't think it was the, the one that I wanted to go to <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just no, I'll fight for my place I think I can get myself back it was maybe just when I got back from injury and I was sort of trying to prove a point that I was still, you know, back to my best, but unfortunately I wasn't. That's when I should have gone. Yeah. And around about 28, 29. You know, about 29, 30 years of age it would have been then. So that would have been a nice time to go. I wouldn't have gone when I was 24, 25, okay. because we were successful. You were the top team. We were the top team. Why would you want to go to another team that's not a top team? Yeah. And I didn't see anybody better than Emerson. And the only thing that really stopped us in our tracks was Heisel. Yeah. And if we hadn't have had that ban, then I, I could see us maybe going on and winning the league again, um, keeping our better players, the Gary Stevens, the Trevor Stevens, and um, and keeping the manager. The manager left as well. So, you know, you, you look at them, you've lost the whole of the right-hand side with Steven and Stevens, and you've got, you lost your manager as well. So why did Heysel affect your, your league form? They went. Okay. They, they they decided they want to play uh, Champions League or okay. European so they moved Club. abroad. Yeah, so obviously with the, the ban that we had, then uh, these guys wanted bigger and better things. I think they all both went to Rangers. You know, I mean, it's not as if they went abroad and played. They, they went to, to Rangers, but they had a successful career playing in Europe and everything there. Um, and, and that was our decline, really. 
you know, the start of it anyway. And then the manager left, he went to Bilbao. Um, I, I think part of it was because he wanted to test himself and maybe could see, you know, what was happening. You know, with the better players are leaving, so, yeah. Or the players that were wanted, you know, that, uh, I mean, Gary and Trevor, the two right-sided players were fantastic players, you know, but I don't know how many, I'm sure Gary had 49 caps for England. I don't know how many Trevor had, but Trevor was a, He's most probably one of the technic most technical, best technical player I played with. Really? Yeah. But you you sampled European football, didn't you? Only yeah, not, but only not that team in its prime mm. would have would have really well, competed. Uh, you know, yeah, we would have competed. We would have added. Um, you know, you're saying we compete. We only had one season in, in Europe, and it was I think it was five games, six games in Europe. So it's not as if you were like experienced in it, but we just had this. You know, we've we've gone from a team that was a bottom six t side to, a, you know, a championship side, you know, champion side, and in the matter of, you know, a year and a half with the same players, um, and then players were getting better and better. They weren't getting older. They were getting better. They yeah. were, they, you know, I was twenty five. Um, I think Reedy was the oldest with Andy Gray, twenty nine. They were four years older than us, um, so. You could say that maybe in time they would have been replaced, which Andy was anyway, but I think Reedy could have gone on maybe a year or two more at Everton than what he did, but he left. I don't know why, um, because the players that we, they were bringing in for vast amount of money were nowhere near what Reedy was like, and he was supposed to be finished. Okay. Yeah. That was hard to take. Yeah. The quality that was coming in wasn't as good as the quality that was supposedly finished going out. Yeah. And I think that's what's something that in that period Everton didn't, really sort of you know good players no doubt they were good players you know your Stuart McCall's but I wouldn't call them great players yeah uh, Peter Vagri you know he's a good player he's not a great player you know Neil McDonald he, he, he wasn't you know just didn't sort of suit Everton football um, Pat Nevin you know the, Pat was a nice lad but he was a flair player you know he's one of these that you know, he tried his best, but his, his game wasn't about retrieving the ball. And Everton was foundation was actually building or built on that. You as had soon both. As, yeah. If you lost the ball, you hunted in packs and you got the ball back. Pat would try it's damn darndest to do that, but you know, when you're five foot five and seven stone wet through, you're not gonna get much chance, are you? Yeah. Yeah. The the derbies of that period, because Liverpool, obviously their team mm. I I think I'm right. They had a top team maybe just before that Everton. Yeah, we, we put ourselves after as well. We, yeah? we put ourselves up there with them. Yeah, that was that was our aim. You know, if you always asked us what we wanted to do at the start of the season, we said, "Well, we want to want to finish above Liverpool." And people turn around. Well, that's that's a strange. Just to finish above Liverpool, but if you finish above Liverpool, you're going to win the league. Hmm. And you know, for two out of three years, we did that. You know, with the with a team that was, which was matching them, you know. But they, you know, they were going through a little bit of a transition as well. They lost Graham Souness going over to Sampdoria and in Italy, so yeah. to replace him. But they replaced him with two players. You know, that was a good thing about Liverpool that I learned that was in the day when they lost a really good player, they replaced them with two. Who did they bring in? Steve McMahon and Ian Mulby. And you know, you turn out what type of players they were. That was. Combined, they were, they, they were if, if, yeah, yeah, they combined, they were Graham Souness in one way because you had the, the fieriness of Stephen McMahon and then you had the guile of 
of Jan, who was like unbelievable, you know, no backlift. Yeah. And he just ping balls 40, 50, 60 yards with no backlift. He was just, you know, the only player that would put weight on in a game. He was <laughs> ridiculous. You know? But Sunes had both, yeah? He had everything. Graham was the Roy Keane, but I would say he'd be better than Roy Keane. Right. I, I thought he was a better player than Roy Keane. Not because I played against him, but I thought I thought he was a better player. Hmm. Um, he had that nasty streak, um, like Roy. I think he was a better passer of the ball than Roy. You know, and I think he was very inspirational, like Roy. That's what I very very similar. Like I said, thankfully the characters are not the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking, you know, you, you spoke about it then, the back pass rule, mm. how that changed a lot, yeah. you know, in your game. I think people tend to forget. I had 100% passing rate. <laughs> to you, to me, Nev. To you, to me. Don't give it away. But there's a clip, <laughs> isn't there? I think I showed you oh. a few weeks ago, Graeme Souness. Yeah. He, he turned in his own, in the opposition half yeah. and just pinged it probably 70 yards back to his goalkeeper yeah. just to waste time. Do you know what? They were absolutely masters at it. Really? Are just wasting time when they were up, and they get the ball, and it was. If you look at the games, then just to kill the game off, passing it at that, especially. And you know, people say, "Well, you should just get it and boom it forward." You look at the Liverpool sides, and you know the good sides of them days always pass the ball. Mm. Um, and yeah, he used to waste time. Fall back, back to the keeper because the keeper could pick it up. And I must admit, it's most probably one of the best rules that's been invented. I was just going to say, maybe not for your legs. Yeah. You know, for well, your game. Yeah, well, all of a sudden, you, you have got to change your fitness levels. Yeah. Um, and oh, especially when you've been injured and you're coming back and you realise that, you know, you start breathing somewhere that you shouldn't be breathing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a big change in football, but I think it's most probably been the best rule change ever. It's a game changer, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. No doubt about it. Yeah. And it's changed for keepers as well because all of a sudden now, which what never was, he was a footballer. Okay. His touch was as good as anybody. He won every head tennis game. If yeah. he had a one-on-one with Neville Southall, he would win. It's because you couldn't get past him at the net. It wasn't always that big. He <laughs> <laughs> was on a tennis court, you had to play him. <laughs> couldn't get around. He used to put spin on the ball with his head. Yeah. You know, he just, I, honestly, he was both feet. And people don't realise. And he used to practice, um, you know, with his freeze every day with the other goalkeepers. You know, he was doing that years and years ago. So, you know, him thinking about that, he was, yeah. What was he like behind you? Screaming? No. No? No. No, not at all. He, I'd know where he was. Um, we had a li- little bit of a, a thing when he first sort of come to Everton. We're getting to know each other, each other's game. I think him getting to know my game more than me getting to know his game um, in one respect is that when you've got a bit of pace at the back, there can always become a bit of a problem with the keeper. Where does the keeper start and position start? Because if he knows that I'm going to get there, his starting position can be a little bit deeper. Mm. Um, but if he doesn't, then he's got to act as a sweeper. I don't think ne- never acted as a sweeper when I played because he knew that I was there with the pace. And this other thing with Nev that if I was showing people, never give away a penalty. You know, you know, let the, let the guy shoot. You know, and send him wide and let him shoot. And don't be diving in and getting off your feet uh, and possibly giving a penalty away because you know you knew Nev was there. 
So when you've got this confidence of this keeper, um, and I watch defenders now defend, and I don't know if it's because the keepers are not good enough that they're playing against, but I always used to close the man. So if the goals, if the goals are there, well, I'm, well, I'm just showing you the, the, the size of the wall. Yeah. And if I was closing the man and you were on the ball, I would close down that way. Yeah. And I would make sure that that ball doesn't go in one corner of the goal so that he had one corner to shoot. Nev could then adjust his position. And so you had that understanding between We, we had that understanding, yeah. I don't know, we never talked about it. You know, I'd say now and again, you know, that this is what I'm going to do if, if the opportunity arises, but you never know that opportunity is going to arise or not. Yeah. So in the end, it's the understanding between him and me and the other centre half as well. And that was it. That's, that's, you've got to understand the person you're playing alongside, either side, left back for me and the, left, the right centre back and mainly the keeper behind. But it's closing the, the man on the ball down and giving him an option. Now, if that keeper knows that there's an option, but there's no option that other way, and yeah. he's got a better chance than saving it. I see people closing down, they haven't got a clue how to close down. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get they don't get hit with the ball, they turn the back. The balls are lighter than they've ever been. You know, and they're turning the back now. It's a lot get hit do, with do you not think a lot or with the top players especially, it, it's just a knack. You know, like if you look at John Terry, for example, he has a knack. The ball's like a magnet to him. Yeah. You know, position-wise, he's so yeah, intelligent. Yeah. Like he's also you've thinking so many moves ahead, that's why. Um, I, I used to say that if the ball comes to the striker and he's going to head the ball, I will know by the flight of the ball, the pace of the ball, his angle, when he jumps, how he jumps, where that ball is actually going to, where he's going to head that ball to. And you know all that in a half a second? Yeah, as maybe, a maybe in, not in that. Maybe not in that. Mm. So if that's a straight ball or a... A, a ball mainly straight balls rather than crosses because you can do so much with a cross you know you can pull it back you can dink it you've also then got to watch the player making a move if he's going to go forward and then check back on you um, it, it's having the player player close enough to you to actually feel him but not foul him yeah. so it's arm's distance having him at arm's distance Um it does, it happens just like that. And I think some players, people have got it in some players. Well, Gary yeah. Neville in the last couple of years, I, I remember he was talking about um, shots from strikers or whoever going through the mm. legs of defenders. Yeah. And he was saying that that is bad defending. Yeah. Even though it looks like yeah. oh, there's no way to stop that. But, yeah. it, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's the small, tiny little margins of your body position. Yeah, that's right. So your body position is actually too square on mm. if you've got nutmegged. Yeah. Or you're outstretching. And it happens so often, doesn't it? it? Happens all the time, doesn't it? More more times. I, I'm, I'm not having it that the player's meaning to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's, football's a strange game and sometimes that's the hardest thing when you're, you know, you see things which comes natural to you that players don't see. I don't think you can actually coach that, what we've just been talking about. You know, the anticipation. Um as I always say, there's a difference between anticipation and reaction. If you react, then it's maybe a second later. Yeah. So the difference in a second can be a chance, a goal. Or, or as, as little as seeing a defender slide in to try and block it, but it's just narrowly missing it. Or it just break, just slips off his, well, that his means, studs and goes in. Yeah, well, that means he's not there in the first place. Exactly, yeah. You know, I look at Morgan Sidling for, for Everton now and he's forever off his feet. So that reminds me of Stuart McCall. Yeah. That... 
he's never quite there. So he's in the wrong position to start with. Um, you know, good defenders stay on the feet. It might look good every now and then that you win well, a sliding tackle. Yeah, it looks great to the supporters, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but you know, half, half of me is telling me that you're in the wrong position anyway. So you should have been there. Yeah. Um, there is times you've got to get off your feet and make a block challenge or you know, stop a ball going through. Um, but more often than not, if you're in the right position, then you, you, that won't happen. So what you're saying is if you ever had to slide and make a block, it was probably because it was a mistake from one of your defensive partners. That wouldn't that be you, me. You were just covering for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I play with some really good players. It's under, Like I say, it's understanding the player you're playing alongside. Um, I had a great understanding with Derek Mountfield and a great understanding with uh, De uh, Dave Watson. You know, knowing that, you know, and the other thing is knowing if they were carrying an injury, right. you had to give them a little bit more. And the same with me, I, you just tell them. I always like said to Dave Watson, it doesn't matter what you say to me, just talk to me. Uh, just, just let me know. Because I could tell how far Dave was away from me then and what I could do. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you can't always see somebody. If, if the ball's coming down the opposite, opposite after Dave and I'm looking at the ball and that and keep them looking around. But all of a sudden, you know, a little, goes quite, a little voice and I know how far they are away yeah. you know you can judge them by the sound of the voice how far away if they're five ten yards away so so important even on you know big games when you've got he's still here yeah. that lad shouting here or whatever if he's shouting to me I know he's too far away yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that unbelievable Everton side big Nevin goal yeah. yourself a couple of Welshmen mm. um was it Pat van der Howe as well? He was in the Welsh Pat, setup. Yeah, yeah. Well, for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Not for long, no. Not for long, no, no. no Loose cannon. Yeah, yeah, loose. Good player, though? Very good. Was, was it you that recommended that he could Me play for Wales? No, well, we didn't know. It was, it was one of these it, them periods when everybody was playing for whichever country they decided they wanted to belong to. Right. Um, I don't think Pat thought he was Flemish. He was Flemish, I think. But he had a broad Cockney accent, so um, yeah, we got him over to play. But you know, he let us down. He right. let me and Nev down. We okay. we told Terry Yorath that he'd be willing to play. He played, and um, he let us down by not turning up. He wasn't injured, um, and that was a big, I, I suppose, a big mistake on me, mine, and Nev's half because we knew what he was like as a person, and he liked going out and mixing with the wrong people um, and for us to advise Terry that you know but we advised him on his playing ability and not you thought if he could turn up he would be a some find yeah and he, he did he played centre back um, most of the time when he did turn up um, but I think he was only involved for maybe a year right that was didn't turn up for one game and that was it Terry just okay yeah but the contingent for the Welsh setup at that time from the North West was huge on it. Oh, unbelievable when you think uh, myself, Ian, Rush, uh, Nev, um, we had Joey prior that and Mickey Thomas. Yeah. Um, Sparky. Die. Uh, Die, yeah. But Die was a South Walian, but he, he was based up north. Die Davis, yeah. Die, yeah. Um, Dave Felgate. He was at Bolton, he was a reserve keeper. Yeah. Um, Anthony Norman. What about know. what about Big Taff? Uh, he um, he was my coach up at 
up at Hibs for a little bit. I think he got one. Oh, cap. Andy Olden, yeah. Andy I've never Olden. worked so hard in my life. One, <laughs> one cap, and it, I, I don't know if it was you or him telling me about the time. Uh, you know, Andy Olden, he's quite hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what level he was playing at the time, but yeah. caught, got called up a couple of times, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Did, well, you, did you have to stop training a couple of times because oh, he just kept booting Rushy? Oh yeah, he, he, man, Matt Rushy in one one training session, and, and they're from the same town, and they knew each other. Um, so oh, he was unbelievable, Andy. He was uh, second touch was always a tattle. You know, it was uh, <laughs> it was. Or, or a pass that did he didn't realise he was making. Did you have yeah. to? Uh, I trained with him once, and we did just doing a passing exercise. Yeah. And uh, he was playing for Wigan or something, or Chester at the time. Yeah. And uh, the, the further we got away from each other, from you know your five, ten yards, 15, 20, 30, 40, 40 yards, I had to stop the session and shout it out to Mike. Mike, can you tell him it's not a twelve-minute run? <laughs> I was running everywhere for these balls. But he was one of these lads that hey, I knew his, I knew his strengths, mm. um, and his strengths were that he can compete. So you just had to pick up from him. He was, it was honestly, it was a joy to play with in that way because honest, he, yeah, because you knew what he was going to do, and so more often than not, if you were in the right place when that mistake did happen, because it, yeah, it would do with Andy. Andy was playing like for Wigan, you know, in the lower divisions. So yeah. to step, I think we're playing against Israel. Um, and it was his first trip away. We're down in Tel Aviv, um, and it, it's literally 80 degrees, and he's sitting in this jacuzzi with Peter Nicholas. And uh, I've gone in, and I said to him, this was the day before the game, I said, I said, Taff, you, you're burning? I never burn, he said. I said, you never burn? He said, nah, I've never burned. I said, you'd never been further than real. You know, and there he was. He was absolutely burnt to a cinder. Was he? Yeah, him and Peter Nicholas. So we wound him up and sort of told him the best thing to put on him was yogurt. So uh, he never turned up for um, the meal at night, him and Peter Nicholas. So I went to the room to have a look what was up and they wouldn't answer it. So I got a key off the maid and opened it and there they were on the bed. But two single beds, by the way, lads. But uh, take this whichever way you want. Um, and uh, there they were, both on their own beds, sort of covered in yoghurt <laughs> from head to foot. Well, you know, I just said, why don't you just come out and be honest? <laughs> but uh, we had a good laugh about that. Did you used to travel down to, you know, meet up oh, with together, that, yeah? I was at those, we used to meet at Joey Jones's house, and then there would be me, Mickey, Joey, um, and Di, and Nev. So there were about six of us that used to travel down together and it was you know in three cars because Mickey always used to go on his own right um, and then there'd be Joey in his car and um, I would die me or Rushy would drive ours and uh, it was a fight to not be in with die <laughs> <laughs> and mainly because uh, yeah he was he was Mr Prim and Proper I'd say that Joey was as well you know for the madman he was on the football field, he was most probably the most conservative driver I've ever, ever known. Really? If, if it was 30 mile an hour, he'd be doing 29. Yeah. Oh, he, so he didn't want Joey to drive it, but he always insisted because I think he made a bit on the expenses. I was going to say, yeah. you, won't get, you won't get petrol money off die. Oh, well, no, no, no. It's, uh, yeah, it was always one of these that uh, 
we used to stop off for a little chef or something and we all used to say, I'll get these. And then Joey used to say, no, I'll get these. And then Mickey used to say, no, no, I'll get these. Rushy then, no, no, I'll get these. And then Di said, no, I'll get them. We said, okay then, <laughs> just to make him pay. But uh, no, good good trips with the lads. Uh, Mickey probably used to get to Cardiff for two, two, three hours before you? You wouldn't believe what he was doing, going around corners and you'd turn up and there he was, you know, all going down in a convoy. And then Mickey had, had this 2.8 injection Capri top of the range in them days and he zoomed past you and you know some lay by down by Ludlow or something you go around the corner and there he was and he'd got a deck chair out the boots and he was reading the paper in the deck chair so until you passed him so we passed him and then 10 minutes later he'd zoom past you again and down by Hereford he'd be you know out cleaning his car or sunbathing on the bonnet what either all the way down to you know well if it was Cardiff Swansea Maidenhead where we used to stay if we were travelling abroad. Um, but we used to turn up, like I say, on the on the Sunday, and Sunday was a great night. We all used to go out and have a, a few drinks together, which is unheard of now. Meet up. Meet that, up. You knew that was the done thing. Yeah, the, yeah. And we, we went out. And part of it was, you know, to get... You've got to remember that, you know, we're talking about Mickey, Joey, they played for Chelsea, Wrexham, and obviously in Liverpool and Man United. Um, but when you got myself, Ian, um, you know, Sparky, going back to when Sparky was in as well, um, then you get the other lads coming in from Port Vale, Swansea, who were in the third division, Cardiff, who were in the third division, and all of a sudden there's these players there that have been on match of the day, and they've never been anywhere near match of the day, unless it's an FA Cup game and they, they draw one of them. Um, so it's actually to go out and make them feel part. That was a conscious thing that you did, yeah? Yeah, I thought it was for me. Yeah. Because I've, I've been the other side, haven't I? Yeah. You know, going into yeah. the Welsh squad from Swansea, whether it was League One, yeah. at times, wherever I was at, yeah. I wasn't playing regular. Mm. And you have a little voice in the back of your mind thinking, what, yeah. do, I, do I really belong here with these yeah. players? Yeah, you've got to... You went out your way. Yeah, yeah, because when I went in, I was I got in the first squad I got was Scotland away home international up in Scotland, so I had to travel up there because a lad called Dave Jones. It was after the England game when we beat England four one at Wrexham, and I got called into the next squad because Dave Jones had got injured. So I got called in. Rushy was already there, so I knew Rushy from our younger days in school and everything, um, but never knew anybody else. So straight away, Di, uh, not Di, um, Joey and Mickey uh, befriended Rushy. So, you know, once you get to know Mickey and Joey, they don't half make you feel at ease and comfort and and also make you take it not for granted because they always used to have a saying that uh, next time we're turning up, he says, I'm, I'm not driving, I'm not driving, you can drive next time. Um, so next time we... Next time we turn up, like, you know, the next next game against Yugoslavia or whatever, he says, uh, I'm not driving. What about you, rats? Yeah, I'll drive then. I'll, I'll drive, yeah. Well, you picked yourself up, yeah? Yeah. So you could never... They always made you feel, you know, oh... They were yeah, setting you up. Yeah, yeah, setting me up. So, hey, in the end, roles reversed. You know, you, you if you take it on board and you do it, totally, oh, they love it. Yeah. They love it, you know. So even though they've got... I think Joey had 60-odd caps, you know, he... he he still didn't think he was going to get picked for the next squad, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's that side of it. So you learn all these things off the older pros. Um, but also how, how comfortable they made it for me to come in 
to a squad where you've got your Terry Rollins, the Brian Flynn's, the Robbie James's, Leighton Phillips, Di Davis. You know, it's you know people that you you're grown up watching, yeah. and you're actually might have an opportunity to play with these. Well, not just play, but you're training with them. So that yeah, you know, that's a bit sort of you know your first sort of training session with them and everything. I think no, that I think that's very. That's a good thing, a sign probably of a, being a good captain mm. that you'd be for Wales. And, and I, don't, I don't know how it works now because obviously the, you know, the, the lads don't drink now. They're not brought up to go out and have a few pints on a on a Sunday night. I I, I didn't think anything was wrong with it, you know, because it'd be out your system by the Wednesday anyway. You know, it's it's what you did on the Monday and the Tuesday was more important than what you did on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you got your two draining days, maybe. You know, two and a half training days. Yeah. Maybe, maybe more because sometimes you train twice in a day. You know, we train in the morning and we might train at night. You would you have know. flushed it out. Oh well, surely in the morning it's gone by the afternoon on the Monday, especially if you're training on the pitch. And that that training on the pitch didn't matter if it's home or away. Then the training was like, you know, tempo. Tempo was really really good. Yeah, that was that's the one thing I found internationally. Um, and fierce as well. It was a fierce, you know. When you... Was it? Was there a little voice in your head thinking, "I've got a boot rushy"? Maybe he didn't train. He didn't <laughs> want to. He never trained. He was just a match day person. He'd be too hungover, I think. Really? Uh, yeah. Most of the time, he just let him do what he did. Yeah. You know, whatever. You know, and his best striker you come up against. As in finishing, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, this knack, he had this knack. What he does is, I don't know, I don't know if he knows this, because, but he works off the opposite centre half. So if he's on my, well, if I'm facing play, my left hand side, he works off the other centre half. Yeah. So even though he drifts in an offside position, I know he's in an offside position. He's looking at that other centre half. That centre half will be deeper. So you've got to adjust as well. Yeah. Because he used to make the run in behind you, so you're thinking he's offside. Because we were brought up to stay together as us. But if you're slightly behind, then he just had a knack of doing that and making runs across people, great runs into channels, uh, and he, he was quick. Yeah, he was. I, he was as quick as me. He was as quick as me. That'd be a good race if me. He might. He might win me by a nose. <laughs> but he was. He was quick. Yeah, that's one people. And his work rate was immense. Yeah. He was the first line of defence. Closest. Yeah. Yeah. He was um quality finisher, doesn't strike the ball with any anger. He made the keeper work. Mm. You know, it, I yeah, just amazing. I wouldn't say he's the best striker I played against as in technical striker, but as a as a goal scorer, yeah. 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 He was like you know, he, he, he couldn't give him a chance. You know, he was—he always seems to have the better than Nev as well, which really? was yeah, scary, is it? I've never seen a uh, a player like him have the better over a keeper because I don't think Nev knew what he would do. If you know what I mean, yeah. would he dink it over him? Would he pass it under him? Would he pass it round him? I don't know. I don't know. He's but he was, uh, yeah, clever. He was clever. Yeah. Rushy, very clever. Those, you know, meeting up on, and going out on Sundays and stuff must have made it more special and probably more possible to do it because you guys were so close. You know, you talk about Rush, you, you know, you, yeah, you're good mates with him. 
you grew up with a lot of them. You know, you, you look at, um, which makes it easier as well, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, no, no, Nev was at Everton with me. Um, then you got Rushy. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd all come through the system of being under 15s right the way through, under 18s, under 19s, under 21s. Uh, so we'd bump into each other, you know, your Peter Nicholas's. I grew up with Peter and Mark Hazelwood and uh, Jeremy Charles. Um, so them guys I played with when I was younger, even though they were older. Uh, then Rushy had done the same. And then the next group coming through was Mark Hughes's group, which is like Clayton Blackmore, um, Glenn Hodges, and they'd all play together. You know, so that yeah. was good. Barry Owen, obviously, when he come into the flow, they were all from the same area, if you think that. People, Anthony Norman, who was a reserve team keeper, was also from Flint, or Conskey, sorry. So I knew, I used to play five-a-side with Anthony Norman. Um, so there, there, there was a good connection. There wasn't very many Anglos. Okay. The Anglos started coming in when I was, you know, I was on about the, the, the Pat Van Den House, and then you got the Eric Youngs coming in. There was a lad from Chelsea as well. Can't remember his name. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, so that, that's when... You know, you, you start growing up and, yeah, they've been there. They've been there for a while. They've been in the background, you know. Um, it's, it's probably what the part of the success of... I think so. ...the current Wales team yeah, as well, isn't yeah, it? You know, yeah, they've, yeah. they've been brought up. Uh, at the beginning, I, I saw the back, the start of that, and mm. my back end of the squad. Yeah. You know, the early years with Tosh, the beginning of that was mm. tougher, really, because you had such a... He would the older group of players that yeah, would really yeah pretty much and then we'd we'd be guys who and, and yet you've got to admit they weren't you know they they, they weren't the guys that would yeah. be warming and, and well I would say that actually a few of them were lucky to get fifty caps they they would have been lucky to in any other era maybe to get half a dozen to twelve yeah so instead but of they've people, got fifty caps I mean I'm not saying that they're bad players yeah but when you think of the players that have been around and haven't got that yeah then. You know, it's it's been around at the right time. Yeah, oh, and, and they made the definitely. most. And I don't think them players really let us down at all. You know, you could rely on them. Yeah. But you knew they were limited. Yeah. You know, you knew they were limited. Um, and then when you see the likes of Aaron coming through uh, as a sixteen-year-old and realizing that we've never had a player like this, a number ten type of player. A midfield player that can control the game, be as you know as good as what he is, then that's refreshing. Um, I think the big bonus has been Joe, Joe yeah. Allen. Um, but I, I'd seen Joe, you know, he come to Wrexham on loan, I remember and I, I, I seen him, and I'm thinking this lad's got a little bit of something. And then when he was playing for Swansea, he never got his chance until. And this is this is when you take it. When you get the chance, you've got to take it. And I think Joe took it. Uh, it was at Wembley against England and Gary Speed had to play him yeah he had Aaron Ramsey but he was lost with Aaron he didn't know who to play around Aaron that was my opinion with what I was seeing that he didn't know who to play and then because everybody else was injured I can't remember who the lads were playing I think it was Johnson maybe and um, Fletcher Robinson Fletcher, yeah. something like that um, and he had to pick Joe but he also had to pick the lad from Gillingham. Crofty. Crofty. Yeah. And I think that changed his view that he realised that he needed somebody to sit with Joe because Joe plays really as somebody in front of the sitter yeah, but not as a number 10. He's an in-between, isn't he? And, and he, he fills in the holes that Aaron Ramsey leaves. 
And then you've got a Crofty just playing that holding shielding role. Uh, and I think that changed maybe Gary's thinking that Joe's got to play and we've got to have a sitter. Whoever you know, it is with him, yeah. yeah. And then well, Adam. Because every time we play Adam deeper, it doesn't work for me. And He's that's what Swansea, you, you think Swansea's period in the Premier League, it would it would have been Leon sitting the mm-hmm. early years, yeah. Brit sitting, yeah. Joe then as the in-betweener, yeah. and then there'd be a number 10. Number 10, like a Ziggy, or there'd be a Prattley yeah. so making that, runs. That's where he's most comfortable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, stretching teams. And Adam will make runs beyond. As soon as Adam stops making runs beyond the striker, we might have to drop him right deep. Yeah. Because there's no use in an ornament then. No, I, I, do, do you know what? You would do change your game as you get older. I definitely think, you know, that this period now, they're all in it together. Your period. Yeah. Obviously, you were trying to get people in. I, I, I kind of felt at times, I was lucky because I wasn't a young lad. Yeah. I was early to mid-20s. Yeah. So I wasn't bothered. I had room with, with, with Ash, Ashley yeah. Williams. And almost... We'd almost want to make a mistake in training yeah. just so that Bellas could shout at us. So that when we went back to the room, we could have a little oh, laugh yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, and hammer him. <laughs> the, the, the amount of times, if just a misplaced pass, and he just, he'd scream. But did you mean it? No, no. Well, well, exactly. Well, if you don't mean it, why should you? The one thing with Bellas, though, he, he, it, it was standards. You know, he yeah. has his own way of putting it across. But yeah. equally, if you played a good pass to him, he, yeah. would, he would say, well done. Yeah. You know, he wasn't all... Yeah. nasty and, and in people's yeah. ear it was just if people were lazy people were sloppy because mm. the, the best example I had we, we played a training game like three teams of six so yeah. two playing against each other yeah. and one then one, one team on the outside oh, right, yeah. one touch they, yeah, they were yeah. live but yeah. one touch yeah. and a ball was coming towards me I was on the outside mm. and I'm thinking okay I'll pass it but Bellas was sprinting towards me yeah. 100 mile an hour yeah. so I think he's going to get there he's going to get yeah. there the last second he stopped, yeah. uh, as the ball was right by my foot, I yeah. thought, so I left it, thinking he's going to get there. Yeah. All of a sudden it's gone behind me, I'm yeah. chasing after it like a young baby giraffe, yeah. trying to back heel it to him. <laughs> and he's just looked at me with the look of death. Yeah. Well, you know? that's when your understanding comes, where maybe one of you should have sort of taken control. But as you being the younger statesman, yeah. you would never have dreamed to say, it's my ball. <laughs> You know, it's yours, Bella. Please have it. Yeah. Get me out of this. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I can understand that. I mean, uh, you, you couldn't do that when, uh, you know, obviously, if you had somebody coming, looking for the ball from Swansea City then. And I picked Swansea mainly because they're the team that I remember that were in the third division. Yeah. And you really had a go at somebody like that. Yeah. You know then that might be it for them. They might never recover. Yeah, so you're always a little bit worried about that, that you know you wanted them to feel as much at home. But you want your standards as well. You want you? your standards, but you realise that they're at Swansea for a reason. Yeah. You know, so you most probably give them a little bit of leeway, but maybe try and coach them in a way, because that's a good player's coach, mm. players, and say, maybe you should have done that. Have a word with them after or whatever. But uh, never try and humiliate them in, in front of the rest of the lads. That was most probably the worst thing you could do. Yeah. Especially, you know, I, I think now it's a bit different because we've most probably got the strongest squad of players that we've ever had playing at the highest level. Um, you know, this should, this should be standards. You know, they've set a standard. They should maintain it or, you know, try to maintain that. You're talking about coaching there. When you finished playing, was it always something you thought, I'm going to get into management or did you stumble uh, upon it? Uh, stumble on it, yeah. I wanted to be a coach. 
more than anything. Um, I thought the coaching part of it would suit me. Maybe go into management later. The management thing just come onto me straight away at Chester. Um, we we took over Chester, me and Mike Pedgick, a, a mate of mine from Everton. Although there was a 10-year, 12-year difference, I was his boot boy. Right. Um, but we used to travel in together because he lived in Nanach in North Wales, just past Mould, and he lived in Kevin Keegan's old house on a, like a farm. Um, so we used to travel in on the odd occasion, me and Ped. So we've always kept friends. Um, so he asked me to go there as an assistant, coach, player. Um, so I've gone there and first day I've turned up for training pre-season six players we've got so every day was not only getting the fitness of the players for the pre-season but we'd have to have a practice match and filtering in the players who we wanted who we didn't want and out of the six players that were there there was only two of them wanted to stay really <laughs> oh, and it was like and they'd just been promoted and the manager, Graham Barrow, had left because he fell out because of the budget. And the budget was really, I can see why he fell out, but we thought if we can finish second to bottom, yeah. <laughs> we've done an unbelievable thing. But Christmas, just before Christmas, Pedge got the sack. Um, things weren't going well. I don't think he, I think he upset the board a little bit, I think. Um, and this new man was, took over, Mark Gutterman. Um, Asked me would I be interested in the job and I just felt so loyal to Pedge that no, I didn't want it. So I said, but I'll stay on at coach as a player if you want. And they put the physio in charge, which was an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Um, a lad called Derek Mann, um, who most probably wasn't even a physio. He was a physio uh, youth team coach. Um, ended up having a bit of a nervous breakdown. And I'm left to deal with 30 guys. Uh, no no coach, just me. Um, I'm just like, Phew. so you're throwing in at the deep end. I changed the training completely. You know, um, very high intense training. Uh, so they're getting the fitness in the training and the possessions and everything that we're doing. Guys seem to like it. They seem to respond a little bit. And the guy's still off. I'm getting, so all of a sudden I'm organising where we're training and every morning. Um, I've got to get a new physio in because the physio's off. I've got somebody else taking the youth team. So I promote Gary Shelton from, fir fir from the first team to help me out with the coaching. Uh, and things went well. And then I get the job till the end of the year, which, yeah, okay, I'll do it till the end of the year. Realised the physio wasn't, you know, the, or the reserve, or sorry, the youth team guy who's been off with isn't the guy really that I need around us. Yeah. Um, so that was my biggest decision really to get rid of him um, when I got the job for the following year as long as I got Gary Shelton with me and it worked the dream and you know my first signing was uh, was important to me and that was Cyril big Cyril Cyril Regis he was my first signing he was an absolute colossus he was, was he? unbelievable back uh, end of his career obviously it, it was his last club <clears throat> he was brilliant it didn't cost us a fortune as people were then saying it did but he was, he was unbelievable. The, the players raised had a young kid called John Murphy who was a centre-forward, very similar in stature. Um, and I needed somebody like Cyril to give him that breathing space to become a player. Yeah. So he was 18, 19. 
So as a big raw centre forward, he's never going to be. Not going to score you twenty goals. Well, he would do in time. Yeah. Um, and he was there to help him, and he did. You know, within I think he was there for eighteen months, Cyril. Um, and he'd helped John, Big John, in a great way, and John become a, a really good player. Went off to Blackpool, had a great career at Blackpool, and uh, got a phone call one day, and I think QPR were interested in taking him for quite a few quid. So, um, but he was, you know, good for his development and and for the rest of the players as well, you know, because it, it was coming, it was coming to a period where we were having, um, you wouldn't believe this, but more black players. Yeah. And to have somebody like him there with the others that they could look up to, yeah. and for him to sort of guide them, and you know things that he'd had to go through, I thought it was a really good help. I think we've seen yeah. in the last couple of weeks since since he passed away. You yeah. know, people talking about him. Well, somebody like yourself most probably would have heard of him, but yeah, didn't realise what he'd actually been through yeah. in that era. And he was he was he was a great guy, um, and, and a gent. You know, you know, it's always it's always easy to say good things about people when they die, isn't yeah. it? You know, there's all nobody says bad things, but you, you can't say bad things about him because I don't think there was. Mm. Yeah. Afterwards, you know, I think did Chester run into a bit of financial trouble? Yeah, so I mean, just because of your wages. Yeah, just my wages. Yeah, yeah. living in the house that I lived you know, for <laughs> thirty-two years. <laughs> the heating bill. Yeah, the heating bill. Oh, I paid for the Alecky bill. Yeah, that was because there was a. a we had a, a pre-season game against um, Tramia, and uh, well, health and safety called it off because. We didn't have any water. Right. So obviously you can't use the toilets or showers or whatever. So I paid five grand out of my own money for it on the, on the understanding. As soon as the match is over, you give me five grand back. Or, yeah. Oh, and 75 quid for setting up this loan. Right. That's what it was. I had to pay the bank five, five grand, 5,075 quid. So I actually got it back. I was going to say, you know, these days you only carry three grand. Yeah, cash well, that's it. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, BBC don't pay you enough, do they? <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, uh, experience, you know, then going into administration, uh, new owners coming in, um, didn't have a Scooby-Doo about running a football club, right. um, which, you know, forced me to leave. Um, but Chester was unbelievable, as in a learning curve, and I had good contacts, within football but within the city as well for training so we, we always had somewhere to train um, like the race course for instance uh, but then it gets flooded so where else do you go so I've got all these places and it was it was quite nice in one way that when I left and I'd left under a, a bit of sort of anger in one way and the way that it was being run that they didn't get them facilities at football club when yeah. I left everybody pulled the plug on them okay um, so that was nice to see that people had actually bit of loyalty to bit you. of loyalty to me that I built up these relationships with people. Um, I understood that you know it wasn't affecting them in as in wages, but when I left Chester City Football Club, we could see it happening. What was happening with the the, the new owner, and uh, it was coming up to the start of the season, and not one player had signed the contract, and you. He, he'd gone missing on, he's gone on holiday two weeks before the start of the season, comes back on the Friday before the start of the season and I can't train mm. because all the lads are waiting to go in and sign. Um, lost the game on the Saturday. We won against Port Vale and lost the week after and that's when I, I resigned um, because I got every player signed up 
with a contract bar, barring one. So you made sure that these boys had had contracts, had yeah, work, had work and contracts. So they've been brilliant for me. They've been brilliant for the football club, and they were good. Um, I nearly signed Dave Hughes. Yeah. Um, but I'd resigned on the Monday, but on the Sunday I was just about to sign him from Aston Villa, and I phoned him up and told him, uh, Dave, I'm I'm leaving. So if you don't want to sign, I don't blame you. If you want to sign, go and sign. But I'm telling you now, the club's going down. Yeah. The way it's been run. Uh, don't like what I'm seeing. So he never signed. He went, went and signed for Shrewsbury. Um, but one player never signed. You went to Shrewsbury as well, didn't you? Yeah, I went so, to Shrewsbury. Some would, some would call that tapping up, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that was three months later. I didn't know I was getting the job then. Um, and then sold him as well for 500 grand. So obviously I knew what I was I was seeing. But uh, no, it was disappointment in the end at Chester. And it's taken me a long time to actually go back. Um, but I've started going back now they're in financial difficulties again and I think they've just raised another 50 grand for them my only worry is that you know how long is it before they need another 50 grand because it's not being run properly you know I thought that had all gone badly dad the scare we'd had the scare twice when I was there um, with the, the previous chairman um, but it, it was hard work but a great learning curve Great, you know, and if you can manage at that level, I honestly believe you can manage higher up. It's yeah. easier because yeah. you've got other people doing all the work for you. Um, you just have to concentrate on the team. Um, that level, you've got to think of everything. Well, I was I was lucky when I went in that, in one way, that with Ped, he was, he was brilliant in, in some respects. He was mostly one of the best coaches I've ever worked with or ever seen. The problem is I learned that he overcoached did too much. So as a player, if you've like had a bad game and say for instance that you, you're weak on your left side, then he'd work that Monday on your left hand side. But by the time the training session had finished an hour or two later, <laughs> he'd be working on your heading, your right side, your right foot, your left foot. This player was coming off, uh, you know, feeling like I must be some bad player. You know, because all he's done is pulled me up on everything instead of sticking to one thing yeah. and just doing it for 10, 20 minutes. Um, and his organisation was good. His scouting, the way that he, he went out and did maybe two games, three games, games a day. Um, so in the end, I was doing, like I say, I was playing, coaching. In my first sort of three or four months, I was watching games easily four games a week. I'd be watching reserve team games, so out four times a week. In the afternoon, I'd be going to a game as well. So all of a sudden, you're an encyclopedia of players. So when I got the job the following year, I knew which players I wanted mm. to bring in, and they were they were really well for us. Yeah. So a couple of stints as managers, Chester, Shrewsbury. Yeah. And then what? Just decided this is not for me now. We're changing game was changing, players were changing. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't like the attitude of youngsters coming through on their outtakers that, you know, nothing could hurt them. You know, I was brought up that, you know, your aim, aim of the week is to outdo the gaffer. But if you get caught, you pay the crime, pay the time or whatever, you know, the fine. And um, now they'd argue to a blue in the face that it wasn't them or this, that and the other. And then they wouldn't pay the fine. Uh, and then the fines weren't hurting, you know. So all of a sudden, I don't know if you know, but when I was sort of coming through, I never had a credit card. Right. 
So everything you had was either paid by check or you had cash. So everything had to pay by cash. So if you wanted to go out that weekend and all of a sudden 50 quid had to go out or a hundred pound, then you couldn't go out. With credit cards, these lads can do what they want. Yeah. So it doesn't hamper their weekend. You don't stop them doing, you know, so they're never really, you know, learning. Well, they, yeah. uh, and also the fines, fines is a big part of your, your team morale as well. Well, it, they, I, they I, thought the older guys were grasses. Yeah, so I, I understand, you know, if you do something bad, if you don't turn up for training, mm. it's it goes to the manager, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a big yeah. fine. It has to be dealt with. But even just the little ones for, for team morale and stuff. It's, good. it's a laugh, it's isn't a, it as well? It's but the laugh. one thing that I always did is then players got that money back in some sort of way. Yeah. If it was better training stuff, if we were running out of balls... And I had a couple of hundred quid. I'd go and buy out, go and pay for a couple of balls. You know, uh, half a dozen balls. So the training was sharper. You're not playing with a heavy medicine ball. You yeah. know. So it was always going back to help the players. If we went out on a night out, then I would pay for the meal. You know, not out of my own pocket, out of their fines. So they were getting it back, and that was helping team spirit. But I was getting to a stage where I didn't really want to be out with these players either. Yeah. You know that I'm thinking there could be trouble here. Um, and I could see things just changing that, you know, they resented the elder guys in the team because they had more days off, but they didn't realise that these guys had already had extra training sessions in an extra day and that, and that's why they were still playing. Um, so that was that was getting hard. So when I, I left Shrewsbury, um, they got relegated, um, mainly because we had a good cup run and I lost spine of the team for about three months and when you lose a spine of your team like Jemson uh, Atkins and a lad called Heathcote then that's your centre half centre midfield player centre forward um, they're all on big money or bigger bigger money than the rest of them then it's it's hard to bring three players in of that standard mm. um, was a big big hit for us and uh, we never recovered I left I thought I'll take another three months six months out but the longer I was out, the longer I wasn't missing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was enjoying my work with Habib, um, you know, commentating on games. And it's the next, I mean, you know what it's like. You're still with the team and you can have a laugh, um, you know, and there's a time to be serious when it's serious. But more off, more than anything, is it's still a team. You've, you've dealt with that, haven't you? Playing, managing, and then going into the media side of things. Yeah. I think some players can feel a little bit like they as the ex-player above everyone else. I think I think it's important to yeah. mix in with everyone, isn't it? Well, that, yeah, I think that's because of what I said when we were with Wales, mm. with the lads from, you know, the lesser clubs. Um, you don't want them feeling that they can't speak to you. You know, and you, you go down for breakfast, you might be, you know, on your own all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you are. People here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's... I enjoy it, you know, they're a good bunch of lads that you're working with and, you know, you get your trips where you're going away. But, you know, the guys, I think, that are actually doing it, unless you're doing it for the big companies, you know, your Skies and your ITVs, um, I don't think the other guys realise that when they're working for local radio that the, the money's next to nothing. You know, it's sometimes not as important. The good thing, the, the thing is what they've got to realise is that, you know, once you're in, you get more work. Yeah. It's when you're not in, you'll get the odd bit of work. Yeah. Um, and that takes a little bit of time. 
Um, money's money's not everything to me. It, it is in one way, but it's not everything. You know, if you've got it, you can. Because you know, you know the wage we we get from the BBC. Yeah. You know, two grand a game. It's not great, well, is it, Kev? I didn't realise you got paid that little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, hey, it's definitely not. Yeah. You, you you hope it's it's one you yeah, build up relationships. There, it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had the two too many bloody zeros there. Um, you know, it's it's about making context and stuff as well, isn't it? You know. Yeah, and it all depends what you do. You know, I mean, um, you know, you're you're really sort of you, you've done well in one one respect because I, I remember another lad that was maybe in between, not quite sure. You know, Matty Jones. Yeah, he's come into you know, finished playing football, I think at 28. And, you know, I think he was a bit unstuck because already, already there was quite a few lads that had finished, just finished playing with more experience than he had. And he, he was like, you know, not sure which way he wanted to go. And uh, he's done well, Matty, you know, to realise, you know, maybe it wasn't for him or maybe he could only go so far and he wasn't getting anywhere. Yeah. I'm sure if he would have stuck at it, he would have been successful. Um, and I'm sure you've found coming in, but I think on your side is because you've got Welsh as well. If, if I didn't speak Welsh, I, I wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, most well, probably. You know? Yeah, you've got more work, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got, you've got to find out where you're comfortable going and what you want to do. Yeah. And I don't think Matty was actually, well, what he wanted to do, I don't think it was there. Yeah. You know, I don't think he could actually get that way it's, it's sad really you know because that is a horrible age you know it's a horrible age to retire anyway you know, like yourself you know that young age where you know you you've got the you know you haven't just got 20 years have you no, no. <laughs> you haven't just got 10 20 years you know and you've a got long family time to, to plan for yeah. yeah yeah and you know you seem to have like adjusted really well to it um the one thing that you don't get on the media thanks kev that's yeah. very kind of you to say <laughs> A bit of an awkward silence there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. We were both looking lovingly yeah, into yeah, each other's eyes. Yeah, 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 the one yeah. thing you don't get on the media side of things, of course, is uh, you know the tuition to know how to use sat-navs. Uh, <laughs> don't <yeah>. start. <laughs> tuition full stop. Have you been to Andorra recently? Yeah, Kev? well, no, no. That no, was a good one, wasn't it? It was a good one, yeah. Going to Andorra with Dylan Griffiths. Yeah. Who's, yeah, in, coming who, out of who's in charge of that sat-nav? Dylan. 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 Yeah, so when, you, when you've got a play, somebody in your car that's never been on an A road, <laughs> you know, just B roads around Anglesey, then you're in trouble, aren't you? So we were in Barcelona, we stayed in Barcelona for the night and uh, put, driving out of Barcelona and I said to Dylan, you know, put it in the sat-nav, so he's put Andorra into the sat-nav and off we go and it keeps sending us south. So... Coming out of Barcelona, after about 20 minutes, I says, look, oh, I wasn't really good at geography, Dylan, but I know when you're going south in Spain, then the sea is on your left-hand side. I says, and we're supposed to be going north, so the sea really should be on our right-hand side. And he went, right. Well, it says Andorra here, down. So give it another 20 minutes and still got the sea on my left-hand side. <laughs> so uh, we stopped off and... The guy tells us, yeah, keep going, keep going. So, going, must have gone for about an hour. Stopped at a service station, we go in, and this girl says, no, no, you're going to Andorra, the town, which in is Spain. in Spain, <laughs> and not Andorra, the country. 
So I'm looking at Dylan, what have you done with the San Navdel? And he hadn't changed it from Spanish to Andorra. <laughs> oh, so we were like still two hours away instead of, you know, an you, hour away. If you would have kept going, you would have got there eventually, wouldn't you? If the sea was on your left, if you would have gone all the way around the country. No, no, we would have, gone, yeah, there, there wouldn't have been any sea, would there? There'd just been mountains. There wasn't a mountain in sight, for God's sake, just sea. So Dylan got a bit of stick. I got a bit of stick as well because uh, we were a little bit late for a, he'd do anything to get out of a press conference, Dylan Griffiths, wasn't he? <laughs> but, ah, good, they're good trips, aren't they? I mean, look, we had good times in, in the Euros, didn't we? I think that the big thing is, that I think, for me, that was most probably the biggest high I've had. Yeah, this I, side of things? Yeah. The media side, yeah. yeah. Um, and going into matches, I'm never nervous. I'm never worried. But I had every emotion going. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what was happening, what I was seeing. Yeah. Um, and I've got to admit, I've never been on a high like that. And I think you most probably suffered a bit this year. Yeah, well, yeah. the last couple of seasons, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. on a bit of a down. Everyone, yeah. aren't they? Fans, yeah. Yeah. media guys, players. Yeah. Yeah. So for Wales, um, football, once again, is we've got a little bit of everything. You know, we've got Swansea trying to escape relegation again. Um, Cardiff, possibly a promotion. Wrexham, possibly a promotion. Great cup run by Newport. Yeah. So we, we've had a bit, you know... We're, as a as a nation, we're having a little bit of everything every year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been great. I think for the last ten years, um, it's going to be hard when there's nothing. You know, when when we get that absolute nothing from any of the clubs, and Christmas comes and there's nothing to play for. Yeah. And lucky enough, we haven't had that. Yeah. We haven't had that, and most of most all the time I've been working with the Beeb for well, fifteen years now. What's next for you, Kev? Eh. <laughs> I don't know. Keep don't on know. keeping on golf. Um, I, yeah, I play. I play. I haven't played much golf lately, um, but I, li- I like my golf. I like getting away. Little trips that I couldn't do before. Yeah. Um, I don't like this country. I just don't like it. I'm here. The kids are here. Yeah. I've got a little granddaughter. Um, I don't think I would have been here if they weren't here. Um, you know, they're my life, um, and. You know, I, work, I like work because it's a sad day. Yeah, you know, we've still got a game to go to. Yeah, I've got a game to do, go to. Got a game to prepare for. Um, I'm not. I'm not great at preparing um, because I, I don't think that's my job. Preparing, I prepare in a certain way that when when I get there, I know what I want. Um, but as in stats and everything, I, it's not not for me. I've never been a great statistician anyway and what it is you know the scoreline really is the only stat I need to know yeah. it doesn't matter how well you've played you're going into the next game and when you lost the last game mm. and mentally that's, you're going to be in a different sort of world than you were if you won it uh, and confidence as well so you know to come up oh yeah but they had 20 odd shots on target but only scored the one goal but they conceded two goals out of three chances the opposition still lost the game yeah you know, that's a great, it's a great stat for people to sort of keep the jobs on. <laughs> but you still enjoy it and, and you've got your after dinner speaking as well. Yeah, yeah, I do a bit of after dinner speaking, which takes me around the country now. Um, it seems, I seem to be getting more and more things out of the, out of what I would call your comfort zone. Because when, you, when you're doing it in front of a lot of people that know who you are and what you've done, it's, it's quite easy. It's actually trying to tell people 
who you are and what you've done without trying to sound big-headed yeah. in other parts of the country. Um, well, that's, it, it's actually a good question. We'll, we'll, fin- we'll finish up on it. Um, yeah. How do you... Is it a little battle for you knowing that playing football, you reached a certain level, the top level, mm. one of the best players? Yeah. Whereas now, fast forward, what is it, 20, 20 plus years? Yeah, yeah. It's getting more and more every year. Yeah. <laughs> that, that you... Do you battle to stay relevant for people to remember you? Um, I think the further up, you know, a field you go, yeah. 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 Um, it's amazing, you know, when you do TV work, it's amazing how many people remember you. Because everybody keeps coming back. But when you go places, oh yeah, I remember you played for, what's her name and that? And it, yeah, because remember, it's 30. The good thing about it is when you do the dinners is that, um, most of the people are your age. Age. Yeah. It's when you find you go, and people are under the age of thirty-five, um, that they haven't got a clue who you are and what you've done. I said twenty years. I, I didn't yeah. mean thirty, but I was yeah. trying to be yeah, kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. But next year it's thirty-six. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So anybody who's thirty-six, sorry, thirty-four, thirty-six. Yeah. So it's it it gets every year. So it could be under forty now was 36 a few years ago. But uh, yeah, anybody under the age of 40 sometimes won't remember you. You know, because they were like, they'd be about five or six when I was playing. Yeah. So it's scary really, isn't it? That when you think that... Uh, and the missus doesn't want people to remember because she's put all your trophies in a box and shoved them in, in, the, the, in the attic and the kids' rooms and oh God, yeah. And to be fair, I'd, I'd never get them out. They'd never, they'd never been out. They were out at one stage in the other house. Um, I sold my shirts a few years ago because they were just in bin bags in my shed. Yeah. So I thought, well, if somebody really likes a collection or whatever, they've bought them and, uh, you know, that's that. if they can enjoy them, they can enjoy them. They don't fit anymore anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as in medals. Medals are there. They'll always be there in your memory, won't they? they? You've got little footages and things like that. But as in, a, it's always nice to have a little disc for the kids, but I don't know, I don't know who's going to have them. You know, if the kids want them, I might, I might sell them. I might sell them in the next couple of years when the when the time is right. You know, you, your kids need the money now. Yeah. Not when you're gone. Yeah. They want to enjoy things. So it's, uh, yeah, they don't mean, you know, they mean, it means a lot to me as in they're there. Yeah. If you know, but they're there. It happened, yeah. It happened, yeah. Um, I'm not one of them that likes to live on the past anyway, even though I talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Kev, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Nice one, mate. Top one. There we go. Job done. Big thank you to Kev for his time, for his hospitality, the bacon rolls, the coffee, the little tour around the new place. So a little bit of uh, memorabilia of photos of himself nothing wrong with that hopefully you guys enjoyed if so once again as always subscribe leave a review leave a rating i have seen uh, i have seen the figures i've seen the numbers for for the amount of downloads and sorry the numbers don't match up they don't add up for the number of downloads and, and how many ratings are left behind if you haven't shame on you Shame on you. Come on. Help uh, help a man out if you can. 
if you enjoy that is. Uh, don't forget, Scorio, not on on Saturday, um, but there's a Facebook Live game Thursday night. Ballard against Kevin Druids. We've got kick on Friday evening, five past five, Espadorek. Repeated Saturday morning, get the family around, get the kids watching. And Moya Scorio on Wednesday evenings. Thanks for listening, thanks for downloading. Till next time.